The mostly peaceful violence in Portland continues as Joe Biden voters and other Democrats continue to mostly not riot, leaving the city mostly not in flames. The protesters, who are mostly idealistic young people, except during those few hours when they're destructive thugs, mostly did not assault unarmed elderly people, leaving most of the local elderly not terrorized or covered in paint. Most of the time, the mobs of usually not rampaging mass marauders were mostly not shining lasers into the eyes of policemen in attempts to blind them. And they could very often be seen not setting local stores on fire as when they were trying to destroy government buildings, which they were mostly not doing either. Around the country, journalists were mostly not reporting on what the mostly peaceful rioters were mostly not doing. And in fact, the journalists themselves spend only about a third of the day at work and so are mostly not spreading disinformation like hideous bottom-feeding swamp, swamp creatures who have somehow evolved the capacity to lie with completely straight faces. Uh, unless, of course, they also lie to their friends and families, in which case they're mostly not mostly not hideous bottom-feeding swamp creatures, but mostly are, which would mostly not surprise me. For example, the New York Times, a former newspaper, mostly didn't report the mostly peaceful havoc being mostly not wreaked by the mostly peaceful Democrat thugs and other Joe Biden voters in Seattle. But then suddenly, the New York Times did report the mostly peaceful destruction that left most of the city not in shambles. So that many Times readers said, whoa, I've been mostly lied to and am now mostly ignorant about what's mostly going on because I've mostly been reading the New York Times and now mostly feel like a schnook. The mostly peaceful riots will mostly not spread into residential areas so that residents will mostly not be terrorized in their homes. So that's mostly great, unless the person terrorized happens to be you. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky-dee-doo. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hurrah, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray, oh, hooray, hurrah. All right, we are back from vacation, still laughing our way through the fall of the Republic, which has gone on without me somehow. If you have not subscribed yet to the Andrew Clavin YouTube channel, you are an evildoer not worthy of the name of good doer or something. Please do subscribe. It helps us a lot. Also leave a comment. And if your comments are even halfway intelligent, we will raise the level of the conversation on the show by reading them on the air. Today, we have one from uh, Tyler Sowers, who says the Clavenless week is almost over. On the seventh day, God said, let there be Claven. <laughs> allow his head to shine the light and disperse the darkness that has fallen onto our world. That actually is a biblical quote, just for those of you who don't read the Bible and can therefore be gulled. Uh, it, you know, it's always good to get some time off and get some perspective, especially in a difficult moment like this. It's nice to back off a little bit and see what's going on. And one of the things I was thinking about is the fact that liberalism and conservatism mean different things at different times. In the 18th and 19th century in Europe, conservatism often took the form of preserving inherited aristocratic hierarchies, while liberalism meant giving ordinary people more rights and more ch chances to raise their status. It was largely a kind of class uh, clash. But that was never really true in America. Here, conservatism has mostly been a defense of individual and localized liberty and property rights, while liberalism has often been a search for ways to protect the underclasses and give them a leg up. That's a perfectly fair conflict to have in ongoing democratic politics. Individual freedom is the greatest political good there is, but like everything people do, it sometimes needs to be limited to protect those who don't have the wherewithal to thrive from those who don't have the moral sense not to abuse them. None of this is true today, however. 
Today, conservatism is a mishmash of constitutional proceduralism, libertarianism, Christian moralism, and capitalist enthusiasm, sometimes to the point of extremism. Liberalism, on the other hand, is a mental illness. It's not even liberalism anymore because there's nothing liberal about it. It's leftism, and it now bears absolutely no relation to reality. In fact, it's a complete denial of reality, which is the definition of mental illness. The ideas that come out of their mouths, socialism is great, rioting is peaceful, criminality is the fault of the police, women are men, minority activism is somehow more democratic than protecting majority rights. You really can't name a leftist issue that describes reality realistically. Personally, I think the reason for this is the total and universal failure of Marxism every place. Liberalism hooked its wagon to that star and so became leftism and so sucked up and wasted the lives of generations of people. And those people simply cannot admit that they were wrong and change their minds. So they've decided to detach from reality itself. There is still room in a healthy country for two sides on the left and the right. But we no longer have a left. We have a sickness, an inability to admit the failure of a philosophy that has led to a nationwide state of delusion. And the elites demand that we all join in the delusive dance. Let us begin by talking about one of our great sponsors, Keeps. Now, usually I kind of riff on these things, but today I'm just going to read the copy out loud. This is for Keeps. Uh, I'm just going to read it word for word. As guys, so much of our identity is wrapped up in our hair, from how it feels after getting a fresh cut to the way it's perfectly styled before going out. That's why when we get into our 20s, it's... I can't talk about it anymore. Look at me. Look at me. Do you want to look like this? No, of course you don't. That's why you want Keeps. You know, you used to have to go to a doctor's office for your hair loss prescription. Now, thanks to Keeps, you can visit a doctor online and get hair loss medication delivered right to your home. They make it easy and deliver your medication every three months so you can say goodbye to pharmacy checkout lines and awkward doctor visits. It's too late for me, but it's not too late for you. Keeps treatments typically take between four to six months to see results, so it's important to act fast. The sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you'll save. Write me and let me know what it feels like. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to Keeps.com slash to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash Who doesn't know how to spell Keeps? The question, the real question, I know is on every one of your minds, on the tips of your tongues. How do you spell Clavin? It's K-L-A-V-A-N. There are no E's in Clavin. I just, I really just make it look this easy. So thinking about all this stuff, I was, I'm out like, you know, paddling out in the ocean. We, we were kayaking and hiking. I'm thinking about all this stuff. And when I first started speaking politically, I, what inspired me, what moved me to, to speak out and, and basically put myself uh, in the position of being canceled from almost everything that I was doing for a living was the failure of the culture to respond sanely to the threat of Islamism. It was right after 9-11. I was watching. It wasn't the shock of 9-11. We were all shocked by 9-11. It was the shock of watching comedians like David Letterman come on TV and say with a straight face, why do they hate us? I thought, who cares? They're Nazis. Who cares why the Nazis hate us? Of course, they're not. The Nazis should hate us. We should be happy when communists and Nazis hate us. That's when we should wake up in the morning and go, Hey, it's great to be an American. Nazis hate us. Communists hate us. We're doing great. But instead, these guys with this sick, horrible philosophy of radical Islamism, who were willing to kill 3,000 innocents for no possible reason at all, who wanted to impose their oppression on women, who wanted to impose their uh, oppression on 
everybody who didn't, uh, other Christians, anybody who doesn't agree with them, somehow we were supposed to feel responsible for this. And I thought, what could mean, you know, I had a leftist friend in New York. He had a Muslim wife, one of the smartest men I ever met, but just far, far to the left. And he called me up and he said, it was so touching after 9-11. He was living in Brooklyn. And he said, the NYPD went out and protected mosques, you know, just the same as they protected everyone else. And I thought, who who has lived in New York as I have, who doesn't know the NYPD protects people without fear or favor? I mean, the way they protect black, they spend most of their lives protecting people in black neighborhoods. And, and then this suspicion, this leftist suspicion that somehow that's not being done. He was moved by this because he didn't know what was happening because the culture, the culture had convinced him not to see what he saw with his own eyes, but had convinced him that a theory, a failed Marxist theory had to be kept in his imagination, like a lens over the entire world of reality that he saw. And that's when I began to talk about the culture, because only culture can explain how smart leftists became so detached from reality. Now, since then, the right has gotten a little bit better. We've started to fight back, but it's it's a countercultural on the ground movement. It's a grassroots movement where we fight on uh, Twitter and we fight on YouTube and we fight on all the places we can. And they fight back because they they have been taken over by the culture, the corporations. They have their own reasons for believing in Mar- uh, Marxism that they know doesn't work, but they know will protect them from competition. And that's the thing. It's gotten worse on the left as the as reality keeps intruding and they have to keep silencing it more and more. And that's always what happens to leftism because it doesn't work. All right, let's take a closer look at some of this. You know, the the, the there's always a lot of hype, hyperbole in democratic countries. This is obviously a democratic republic. Uh, People like to say it's not a democracy, it's a republic. That's absolutely true, but it's a democratic republic. Why is there so much hyperbole? Why why are politicians always screaming about things that seem seem pretty simple and don't seem trying to get us into a panic, trying to make us afraid. Why are they, when this this Chinese flu started, why is the New York Times just a, a fear sheet now? It's just like, be afraid, stay in your house, put on a mask, put, on, put stuff things in your nose, put things in your eyes or else you'll see it. And you'll just, you'll just, you know, why does it become that hyperbolic? Well, the reason is that in a democratic republic, the people are a power center. But they're not the only power center. There are other power centers, right? There's corporations. Big corporations are power centers. Political parties are power centers. Movements are are power centers. All kinds of power centers. Usually, in a democracy, we are dealing with very, very simple problems with very obvious solutions that are made complicated by the fact that powerful people don't want them solved. Perfect example, illegal immigration. You can't have open borders. If you have open borders, you don't have a country. Borders define your country. You have to patrol your borders. You have to decide who comes in and who doesn't come in, how many uh, immigrants you need, how many you want, what kind you want. It's obvious. That's true. Everybody knows this is the truth. The problem is, so there's a left and right argument to be had, right? There's a left. We want more people to come in. We want to be more culturally diverse. We want to, you know, uh, open up our borders and allow people more freedom. And there's a right wing uh, idea saying, no, you know, what we've got is good here. We want to very tightly control who comes in so we don't ruin what's going on. The reason they want to come in is because things are good here. We don't want too many people coming on. Right and left argument, perfectly good, good way to get to a compromise. But the thing is, there are lots of people on both the left and the right who don't want the problem solved. The left doesn't want the problem solved because open borders help destroy the country. Open borders also give them more power because new arrivals tend to be gulled by the left because the left uses identity politics to suck them in. The right wants to, you know, close the borders because they think like, oh, no, if if our demographics get out of control. 
the Wall Street Journal is very open border immigration. Why? Because rich people, and that's who the Wall Street Journal uh, represents. It's a great paper. I love the paper, but it represents a certain class of rich people. They thrive off the low uh, income immigrants who come in and can be hired for below the minimum wage, who support businesses that don't want to pay the minimum wage, that don't want to be tied up in a uh, kind of union controversy. So they're rich, powerful people who don't want the problem solved. So in order to move the people, this power center of the people behind your point of view, you have to scare them. The left will tell you you're a fascist if you don't want to open the border to everybody. The right will tell you like, oh my God, you know, once these Mexicans swarm in, we'll all be living in, uh, you know, uh, Mexico. You know, it's that they have to frighten you to move this power center in the direction of where they want to go. So different levels of people, different levels of people are operating for different motives. And that's what we're seeing here as our country, our cities, our Democrat-run cities are going up in smoke. There are the level of the rioters. There's the level of the people organizing the rioters. There's the level of the press supporting the rioters and the level of the Democrat Party also supporting the rioters. And they all have different motives. The riot, there were riots in the, the Portland violence has once again been declared a riot. Remember this trope that was going around? Oh, it was the federal agents that Trump sent in. It was the federal agents that Trump sent in that caused the violence. The federal agents are gone. The violence has gotten worse. Once again, they've declared a riot. Riots in Chicago last night. Terrible chaos uh, on Sunday afternoon. Uh, the, that that shopping center they have, it's called it's something like the Miraculous Mile or something like this. Uh, there was a shooting the Magnificent Mile, it's called. There was a shooting uh, in Englewood. There were complaints of a man with a gun. The suspect, they came, the cops came for the suspect. The suspect opened fire. The cops returned fire. It was a running gun battle. The suspect was killed. He was black. Black people rioted. <laughs> so you, you tell me, you tell me what the reasons are. The cops are just supposed to stand there. Maybe they should paint targets on their uniforms and make it easier. You know, it's kind of it's kind of racist of them not to let the guy shoot, you know, aim properly when he shoots at them. Uh, but they shot, they fired back. It was clearly a clean killing. It was clearly something that had to be done. And the terrorists went off and started rioting. Now, so there are all these people, there's looters. Looters are just lawless people who seize the chance to loot stuff. They go in and they rob the stores. That's what happened on the Magnificent Mile. They had to raise the bridges and close off the tunnels to keep them contained. But then there are the movement people, the Antifa and the Black Lives Matter Marxist movements. Uh, Bill Barr was on the Mark Levin show uh, the other day, and he was talking about this. You know, he's got an honest guy, a very good observer of legal issues, obviously, the attorney general. Uh, let's play cut eight. He's talking about Antifa here. They are a revolutionary group that is interested in, in some form of socialism, communism. They're essentially Bolsheviks. Their tactics are are fascistic, uh, and your description of them is consistent with what, I, what I've seen. And then he goes on to talk about the fact that this is part of a, essentially a Maoist playbook, because you remember it was Mao who had the cultural revolution where the young people rose up, beat up their teachers, terrorized the adults, and basically forced them to bow and scrape before their, their youthful, uh, you know, idealistic communism, uh, de destroying the Chinese culture up to the time. And he, Bill Barr says this is part of what's happening now is cut nine. It's a form of, of sort of, it's a new form of urban guerrilla warfare. You know, Mao used to speak, Mao Zedong uh, used to speak about the gorilla being like fish uh, swimming in the ocean, the way the gorilla moves through, through the people. The, the, the gorilla hides out among the people as a fish in the, in the ocean. 
And what they do is they are essentially shielding themselves or shrouding themselves in First Amendment activity. They go into the demonstrations, which are exercising First Amendment Amendment activity, and they insinuate themselves in there to shield themselves. That's where they swim. And what they do is they hijack these demonstrations and and they provoke violence. So he's talking about the different levels of protesters. There are young people out there who are idealistic. They're protesting. They don't really know what they're they're thinking. Well, they do. That's not fair. You know, Barton Swain, uh, a Wall Street Journal writer, very intelligent guy. He writes a piece today about how there's a level of these people, not the or, the Maoist organizers, not the movement people, not the people who seize control of the protests, but there are also these levels of young people who have been corrupted in their minds by our educational system. And he talks about the, what racial justice means to them. And he says, racial justice, according to the nation's cultural arbiters over the past several decades, remember this has been going on since the 60s, 60s consists largely in following two rules. First, adherence to the doctrine that racial equity requires more and greater expansions of the welfare state and civil rights law and all the welfare and all those things that go into uh, the great society that has really destroyed the lives of black people. The second rule dates from the mid-1970s, around 1990, it crystallized into political correctness, which is now hardened into cancel culture. If you express any sentiment at all that can be construed as racist in any way, even if nothing else in your behavior would suggest retrogressive opinions, you can expect a variety of social punishments. Now, those two things, in my mind, are connected because the first thing isn't true. It isn't true that greater welfare state is going to help with racial equity. That's not true. You have to have cancel culture to silence people who say it's not true. So anybody who says anything that's not in the party line. And the reason, of course, for this is this welfare state is a huge patronage boon for leftists. It's a huge patronage boon. It's a huge money boon. It's a huge way of funneling money into buying votes. So they don't want it destroyed. So you have to be silenced if you disagree with this. So basically what we're dealing with is psyops for psychos. They're running these, these people have gone insane because Marxism has failed and they want to make sure that you go insane too. So it's a, it's a psycho psyop. So he goes on to say, he says, young radicals are not stupid. Surveying the current state of the races in America, they conclude with ample justification that this orthodoxy must have been a fraud all along. And so they think, in other words, they see that the welfare state has not improved people's lives. And he he goes on to say, they realize that politicians, journalists, intellectuals and celebrities who've done most to influence thinking on race in America were happy with the status quo the whole time. They just wanted powerful white liberals just wanted to feel better about themselves. Okay, and there's also a lot of money involved, as I say. So they realize this has failed, but they don't realize there's another way. He, does, they, he says they, they haven't heard of Patrick Moynihan, who pointed out that poverty among black Americans was the result not of an insufficiently generous welfare system, but of the black family's dissolution. They don't know about Irving Kristol and James Q. Wilson. They certainly don't know about Thomas Sowell and his economic doctrines. They don't know we're here. This is an argument. What you're seeing is an argument between leftism and liberalism. That's what's be, That's the fight that's re- actually being had because they don't know we're here because we have been so effectively silenced and we have bowed to that. We have kowtowed to that because we haven't invaded the culture and taken it back. We're trying. We've started, but it's late in the day. Let's pause for just a second here and talk about LifeLock because, you know, I don't know about you, but I get this stuff all the time, these con man games all the time on my computer. I get them on the phone. Fraudsters are trying to capitalize these days by sending messages through social media and emails, trying to get consumers to fall for a scam that uses 
Cash App. This is a new one. The messages offer free money via the app to help them through this difficult time. However, the link in the message is fraudulent and malicious and could steal money and personal information. And whenever anybody offers you free money and it's not your mom, you should probably be suspicious. But we put our information at risk on the internet all the time, and you could miss certain identity threats by just monitoring your credit. That's why there's LifeLock. LifeLock. LifeLock detects a wide range of identity threats, like your social security number for sale on the dark web. You have access to a dedicated restoration specialist to your case should you become a victim. And that's key because once they get your identity, it's a mess to fix it. LifeLock. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock can see threats that you might miss on your own. Join now and save up to 25% off your first year. Go to LifeLock.com slash Clavin. That's LifeLock.com slash Clavin for 25% off if and only if you know how to spell Clavin. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. I know you forgot from the last time I told you. So because because of this, these two factors, the fact that um, that the welfare state hasn't worked. And the fact that in order to keep people from realizing the welfare state doesn't work, you have to have cancel culture. You have to be able to cancel people who start to say, you know, there's other issues here besides whether we're throwing money at these problems. All of the violence in this country is on the left. I mean, all of the violence, because they are the ones who have gone and saying, we keep hearing about this dark right-wing threat. No question there's a crazy right-winger here and there who's going to go off and hurt somebody. There's no doubt about that. That's true of all ideologies everywhere. But look around the country. Look back to the 60s, which, which is what this reminds me of. It's all on the left. And so you have this, the fact that reality is right in front of us, the reality that Marxism has failed. The reality, not just Marxism, but the welfare state doesn't improve racial equity. It doesn't do it. And then you have this other side con that's going on that's powerful people saying, gee, we can't let the welfare state go because this is how I give jobs to my friends. This is how I get money to buy votes. This is what keeps this entire uh, trillion dollar industry in place. We can't let people know that this is actually part of the problem. We have to silence anybody who starts to come up with this. And we have to teach the young people that anyone who says it is hateful. That's why they're not arguing with us. They don't know we're here. They don't know what the arguments on the other side is. Why do you think they riot when I show up? I, who, look, who's the nicest person you know? Me, right? When I show up at campuses, they riot. I mean, that's insane. That's insane. A, a lovely, lovely person like myself. And, you know, obviously Shapiro, they go nuts. It's like, that's why. Because they have been taught you must not hear this other point of view. And, it, you know, because they're young people. I, I say this sometimes when I give speeches. It doesn't occur to them that the person teaching them that is controlling their minds, obviously controlling their minds. Obviously, this is a problem with the media. That's that's where the psycho psyops take place. Bill Barr had more to say on that. Uh, let's play cut 10. You know, they're narrative. They are projecting a narrative. When, when the word narrative came into currency, I, I knew we were in trouble because the word narrative really suggests that there's no objective truth. There's no real story of what happened. It's just everyone has their own narrative. And you get to then uh, the press can justify presenting a story that doesn't really correspond to objective truth, but that it's our narrative. We have a narrative. You have a narrative. You know, why did that philosophy, and that is the philosophy on the left, there are whole, you know, books written about it. There is no truth. There's just that. Why did that come about? And it did come about. It did come about at the same time it was becoming clear that Marxism was a failure. In fact, it actually starts 
with Marxist ideas about false consciousness. And why did they have to have Marxist ideas about false consciousness? Because a system that had a bourgeoisie, a system that allowed people to move from being a peasant into the bourgeoisie, made people happy. And people were happy and people were going, hey, this is good, this is good. And because Marx didn't like this system, he had to convince people, no, no, you're not, you're not really happy. That smile on your face, the fact that you wake up singing, every, the fact that your wife is like singing in the shower, that you're richer than you've ever been, that you're living in houses that are like, like that people would have killed for a hundred years ago, that you're just a working class guy and yet you have a house and a lawn and you have barbecues and things like that. No, that, I know that, you know, you think that makes you happy because you're smiling all the time and your wife is singing and your kids are running around laughing. No, my friend, that is false consciousness. And from this idea of false consciousness, that you are being brainwashed into supporting a system that essentially oppresses you comes all the rest of this. The system of gender oppresses you. You're just brainwashed into thinking you're a woman. That baby coming out of you, no, 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 that doesn't make you a woman. Don't, don't be silly. Anybody, a man can have a baby. A woman can have a penis. It's all, it's all just false consciousness. The whole world, there is no reality. That is mental illness. That theory is a mental illness. And it not only is mental illness in itself, it produces mental illness in others. When you teach it to people, it drives them crazy because it's very, very hard. It's very, very hard to make the opposing argument that there is a moral reality. It's the argument Socrates made. It's the argument Jesus made. It's the argument that our entire culture is based on. But if you don't happen to be Socrates and you don't have to be happen to be Jesus and you're not being taught what Socrates said and you're not being taught what Jesus said, you're not going to know what the argument is. And that's what they depend on, your ignorance. That's why they know it. So a lot of the people in the news media don't even know they're running a psyops. They're part of the psy They're in the psyops themselves. You know, Miss uh, Brian Stelter, and people get offended that I call him a woman, but, you know, it's, it's, it's really just science. I mean, Brian Stelter missed a deadline to go to bed early and have a good cry, and then he shared that fact. There are only two kinds of people on earth, men and women. Men don't do that. So it's just science when I call him Miss Brian Stelter. But he had this panel on. It's, it's kind of glorious. It's a glorious panel in which he says, you know, the way the right attacks Joe Biden, there's nothing on the left like that where the, the left attacks Trump. That doesn't happen. It's cut 19. Uh, Aaron, your view of this, you know, when you see um, entire media companies essentially exist to tear down Joe Biden, is there an equivalent to that on the left tearing down Trump? Uh, there, there really isn't. <laughs> CNN saying that. There really, there's nothing, there's nobody attacking Trump. Trump, the guy walks on water to, to the press. Are you kidding me? When Donald Trump walks into a room, the press just, they just fall silent with admiration and love, you know? <laughs> it's like these are guys who for three years ran this psyops on Russian, uh, the Russian collusion hoax. They ran this on us and have never apologized and don't cover the exposure of the hoax, which is now slowly coming to light and really showing just how corrupt the Obama administration was and how corrupt the FBI at its leadership level was under the Obama administration and even the CIA, they're just not, yeah, we don't, we just don't cover that. That's not part of the narrative. So we cut it out. Same thing with uh, Heather McDonald, our favorite reporter uh, who knows more about the police and the way they interact with minority cultures than anybody else in America. That's why she's never on the mainstream. They never interviewed on mainstream media. She actually uh, put up on, on uh, YouTube, I think it was, she put up her speech about the fact that the facts just show, these facts, these irrefutable facts just show that the police are not operating out of bigotry. They're not operating out of bigotry. They're dealing with high crime cultures, some of which are in the black communities, especially in urban areas. And 
What happened? Google essentially disappeared what she had to say. This is uh, Heather talking to Tucker Carlson, Cup 13. I gave a speech last week on policing that used federal data, the gold standard, to disprove the lie that police are engaged in wanton racist violence against black men, as Joe Biden and the writers maintain. No sooner had I finished the speech than Google wiped it off the web on the ground that it violated its community guidelines for keeping YouTube a safe space for all. My host, the center of the American experiment, appealed the decision. Uh, YouTube grudgingly put it back on, but with age restrictions, meaning that your child can't watch the speech unless you sneak them in behind you. <laughs> you know, it really that really is amazing. And again, I don't know whether Google knows they're doing it. They're so immersed in this culture. Their argument is with liberals. They're not arguing with Heather McDonald. They have just demonized her out of existence. And so when she speaks the simple truth to them, it doesn't get through because that's the way the truth, that's the way mentally ill people react to the truth. If you've ever tried to talk to a truly mentally ill person who's living under a delusion, the one thing you can't confront them with is the truth because it'll drive them nuts. That's what makes them violent. It's really difficult. I, I've had this situation. I've worked, I've volunteered in homeless centers where if people got violent, if people got threatening and they were schizophrenic, you had to basically indulge their delusion because if you confronted them with the truth, with the fact that the things that they were afraid of, Martians or whatever it was, weren't happening, that would drive them crazy. And that's what you see. And that's what you see with Donald Trump. This gives Donald Trump a tremendous power to speak the truth as he did uh, here. This is cut 12. Many of these people want to defund the police department. At a minimum, they're going to stop money from going to the police department. But in many cases, they actually want to defund completely the police department. No city, no town, and no suburb would be safe. Your suburbs would be a disaster. Your cities, your towns would be a disaster. They want every city to be a Portland or to be a Chicago, which is totally out of control. And we're waiting for the mayor. We've sent people in to help them from an intelligence standpoint, but we're waiting for them to call the governor, the mayor. We could do a very good job in Chicago. Nobody's ever seen anything like that, this country. You know, you've heard me talk about this beautiful scene in Huckleberry Finn, one of the central scenes in American literature, where Huck Finn decides that he's going to go to hell rather than turn over his friend, the escaped slave Jim. And he, it's not that he disbelieves the church and the society and everybody and all the experts and all the elites who have told him that it's evil uh, to escape with a piece of property, namely this human being. It's not that he doesn't believe them. He's just a boy. He thinks that they're, the authorities uh, are right. It's that he trusts his own heart to do the right thing. And ultimately, if you keep calling the truth racist, and he says, he says, all right, then I'll go to hell. If you keep calling the truth racist, ultimately, the Huck Finns of this world, the Americans of this world, the true Americans are going to say, all right, then I'll be racist because it's worth it. It's worth it to speak the bloody truth. All right. Speaking of the truth, let us talk about hero health. Hero is a medicine cabinet reinvented. This is very cool, actually. You know, you get to a certain point where you're taking medications every day. You also get to the same point where you have no idea who you are or where you are or what day it is. <laughs> so Hero Health is really a, a helpful app. If medication isn't taken, the Hero app will send a notification to you or a family member or a caregiver so a dose is never mixed, missed. 
Hero makes it simple and easy to make sure you or your loved ones stay on track and get the right meds at the right time every time. Your Hero membership includes the app, the pill dispenser, and 24-7 support for just a dollar a day. Hero even has an optional service that delivers medication directly to your door. It's good, obviously, if you're older and if you're on medication or if you have somebody in your family you love who you just don't want them to miss a dose of their medication. Right now, if you go to herohealth.com slash Clavin, you'll get 50% off initiation fee and a 30-day risk-free trial with a money-back guarantee. That's herohealth.com slash Clavin to start your membership with 50% off and a 30-day free trial. Don't forget, that's herohealth.com slash Clavin. And one of the things you may forget is how to spell Clavin, especially from the last time I told you, which was what, I don't know, 30 seconds ago. It's K-L-A-V-A-N. No E's. No E's in Clavin. Also, (laughs) that's that's, you can sing it. You can even sing it. Uh, Also, you want to hear about Daily Wire All Access, which is our top access. It's our top subscription level. All Access members get to join All Access Live with all of our team is coming on and talking to you directly. You get Q&As hosted each night by each of our hosts, including me. Uh, All Access membership also features exclusive access uh, to live online discussions with our hosts, writers, and special guests. You get not one, but two leftist tears tumblers, and hopefully you'll need both of them, uh, as well as early and sometimes exclusive access to new Daily Wire products, which you saw last week with our limited count collector's edition baseball bat available only to All Access members, which you may also need if things uh, continue this way. That's sold out in less than 48 hours. So head over to dailywire.com slash Clavin right now to get 20% off All Access with coupon code ACCESS. It's dailywire.com slash Clavin with coupon code ACCESS to get 20% off your membership. Our bean counters will be paying attention to which person you subscribe to. If Knowles gets more subscription than I am, I will have to use that baseball bat and it's going to be ugly. So go over to dailywire.com slash Clavin, which, by the way, is spelled K-L-A-V-A-N. Go over and subscribe. You want to see how completely politicians, the, you know, the, like Brian Stelter doesn't know that he's li- living in a psyop because he's like a psyop guy in a psyop world. He doesn't understand that he's living in a psychological operation. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure even Nancy Pelosi knows. She was on with Judy Woodruff. You know, there's this this brouhaha going on over some executive orders uh, that Trump put out uh, after the Democrats basically held him hostage uh, to give new relief to Chinese uh, flu shutdown victims. Uh, I'm not going to go into all that today, but Judy Woodruff was talking to Nancy Pelosi. I just want you to listen. Judy Woodruff is one of the most reliably left wing uh, reporters there are. She's mostly on uh, uh NPR. Yeah, she's on NPR. She's national public television. Uh, And she is uh, very reliably left wing, so left wing she doesn't know she's left wing. But she dared to ask Nancy Pelosi a question about this. Listen to Pelosi's reaction. The other point Republicans are making is they are now showing flexibility in money for state and local governments. This is, again, a difference. Democrats want more money. Republicans want a lot less. They are saying they're willing to show flexibility. And they're also saying a lot of the money that was passed in the spring, Madam Speaker, has not even been spent yet. Well, so if you want to be an advocate for them, Judy, if you want to be an advocate for them, no, I'm, let's I'm, know what the facts are. I'm playing are. devil's advocate no, here no, I to ask you for your position. <laughs> she's playing devil's advocate. That, that's us, you know, the devil. Uh, the, she's advocating. 
You know, she's asking a simple question. She is posed. It is her job. It was her job in the days when she had a job in journalism. It was her job to pose to the left the questions from the right and to pose to the right the questions from the left. I was a journalist. I did this all the time. You know, they called it they told the two quotes and write it up, you know, three quotes and write it up. It was one quote getting the facts, one quote getting the, the reaction from the left and one quote getting the reaction from the right. And you got those reactions by posing the opposite questions to the guy. So the left wing guy, you told them what the right was saying. The right wing guy, you told them what the left was saying, and they had to argue their point of view. It was like a debate on paper, right? That's that's the way journalism used to work. Nancy Pelosi is so shocked that Judy Woodruff would ask her. She basically feels she's being an advocate. And they have done this, again, by demonizing the right so badly that they don't even think that they're responsible to the arguments of the right. And as long as they can keep the left in that mindset, they can keep the left insane, which is what it is, because it's not it's not that we on the right are right about everything. So many we have a very big tent right now. And it is, as I said at the beginning, kind of a mishmash of different points of view. You know, we've got the people I, I guess I would fall under the heading of constitutional proceduralism. I want to preserve the Constitution. You've got people who are, uh, you know, libertarians, people who are Christians who be- believe that there should be more Christianity, even in government. You've got all kinds of people on the right. Not on the left. On the left, you have basically the the far left and liberals who think they're still in a party that supports them. Really, if you wanted to be a liberal now, you would become a Republican. Really, if you want to, really, truly, if you wanted to be a liberal now, you would become a Republican because we're the only people who still believe in free speech, the First Amendment, the Second Amendment, the Electoral College, the Supreme Court being untampered with. All of those things are beliefs on the right. If you want to preserve the country at all, you would be on the right. But the left is in its own world. The left is in its own world. They created that world. They took over the culture. We haven't yet managed to take that culture back. I hope we will. There's a million reasons why we haven't. There's a million reasons why uh, we don't try harder, why we don't try, especially at the top level where the money is, because there's plenty of people who could be uh, put into that army if they're only come some uh, some billionaire generals to lead the way to create venues for us. There'd be more and more of us. But we haven't got that support. So we're fighting this kind of revolutionary war battle where we're popping up from trees and fighting at the empire of lies. You know, we're fighting against the empire of lies by popping from trees with our flintlocks and taking pot shots at them until Jack at Twitter silences us. And then we have to find some other way to get uh, some other tree to hide behind and shoot at these people as they go marching through this world, but they've created a world for themselves that's detached from reality, a world in which they openly say there's no reality, there's only the narrative. They are openly insane. They just are so insane, they don't know they're insane. They don't know that their very philosophy is insane. And one of the ways you see this, of course, is in the treatment of Joe Biden. Let's go back to Ms. Stelter uh, talking about Joe Biden. There was an ad, a picture of him played on Fox of Biden riding a bicycle. I guess they let him out of his basement long enough to get some exercises, cut 18. Look at what Fox News saw on Saturday at Rehoboth Beach, Delaware. This is Joe Biden out there on a vigorous bike ride. Not wearing a helmet, but definitely wearing a mask, by the way. Fox's narrative and talk radio's narrative for months has been that Joe Biden is falling apart. You just heard Ben Shapiro say it, falling apart. And there he is riding a bike out for a bike ride. And Fox of all networks is the one that showed it happen. <laughs> he can be president. He can ride a bike. He can move his feet like this in a circle. And that, that's what, is that not the, after that, after that, why have a debate? Why have debates? If the guy can move his feet in a circle, he, like a hamster, he can certainly, a hamster could be president. Why not Joe Biden? 
Meanwhile, the GOP has put out an ad, which is something I've been talking about for a long time. They finally put it out into an ad. Good for them. You know how often I've said to you, if you just go back and look on YouTube at the old Joe Biden, he's not the same guy. If you could just go back a few years. So they put out this ad. This is cut three. They put out this ad showing him as he was before and then showing him as he is now. You ask anybody in there whether or not the economic and foreign policy of this administration has made them better off in the last eight years. And, uh, and in addition to that, uh, in addition to that, we have to uh, make sure that we, uh, we are in a position that we are... We can insure every single solitary kid. We can provide catastrophic health insurance right off the bat. We can do that for the cost of the just one thing. The tax cut for people in the top 1%. Um, uh, and with, uh, with uh, I don't know. Uh, you got to give them to the people who are going to spend the money. You got to deal with making sure American companies can be competitive, have a health care plan that doesn't put them at a disadvantage when they compete overseas. Um, you know, there's a, uh, during World War II, uh, you know, where Roosevelt came up with a thing uh, that, uh, you know, was totally different than a, than the, the, it's called, he called the, you know. I mean, that's harsh, but fair. It really is fair. I've, I've done it myself, just going through YouTube and looking at the, the videos. It's interesting, too, that he was more conservative when he was more sane. But of course, that goes without saying. Uh, he was on CBS with Errol Barnett. Uh, who asked him if he'd taken a cognitive test like Trump was bragging. He took the cognitive test and could identify the elephant and all this. Remember, just a few weeks ago, Biden told Doug McElway over at uh, Fox News, he said, I've been tested and I'm constantly tested. But now Errol Barnett asked him the question again. Uh, Here was his response. It's cut seven. Have you taken a cognitive test? No, I haven't taken a test. Why the hell would I take a test? Come on, man. That's like saying you, before you got in this program, if you take a test where you're taking cocaine or not, what do you think, huh? Are, are you a junkie? What do you say to President Trump? It was, it was, it's really horrible. His laughter is awful and all this stuff. I mean, just the way he laughs is because he knows he's saying something bad. I should mention that Barnett is a black guy. I only mention that because, of course, uh, the, the junkie remark. You know, if if he were a right winger, would immediately be targeted as racism. But of course, uh, you know, Biden is exempt from this. But he did make this other comment with a Latina reporter at NPR, where he was talking about the difference between uh, the Latin Hispanic population as voters and blacks. As cut six, what you all know, but most people don't know. Unlike the African-American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community with incredibly different attitudes about different things. <laughs> so all these blacks think alike, you know, it's like they kind of look alike, too. You know, it's like, I mean, <laughs> what the hell? What the hell? You know, Barton Swaim, I was reading that piece from The Wall Street Journal earlier, Barton Swaim, and he says that there are these two rules of leftism, one that you have to support the welfare state, uh, a bigger and bigger and bigger welfare state, and two, that you have to, you can be canceled for anything you say that can be taken out of context to show you're racist. But he points out that the exception is, if you support the welfare state enough, uh, then sometimes you can say something and get away with it. So Biden is walking on water right here because he basically is a left, the only thing they've got against Trump, and he's very, very big now. He's very far to the left now, the things he's actually saying. So he gets excused for this. They completely black this out, this comment, this ridiculous comment uh, about blacks kind of all thinking the same while uh, Latinos are diverse. 
But you know, this, this is the thing. This is a psyop being run by people who are themselves suffering from psychosis. It really is. Once you can't admit when something is false, once you can't admit that you've made a mistake, that you've wasted time, that you've wasted part of your life, your only choice is to start to deny reality. It's your only choice to start to re- rewrite reality. And that way, madness lies. All right. A, a final reflection. I, I just have to bring this up. It's kind of ridiculous. It's this Cardi B uh, song, WAP, uh, which I can't even tell you what it's, <laughs> what it's an acronym for. It's so... Uh, it's so pornographic, you know, but I, I don't want to talk about that. You know, it's pornographic. Obviously, it's got these filthy descriptions of sex. It's, it's trash in terms of art, artistic merit. It has zero artistic merit. But the, res, the reactions are so uh, predictable that it's almost not worth talking about. They're almost like just you could write them before they happen. The left starts gush. Oh, it's wonderful. It's great. It's obviously great. And the, the right starts saying there was one guy, uh, a Republican congressional candidate in California, James Bradley. He said, I listened to it. I wanted to pour holy water into my ears. And then everybody screams, oh, how racist, how horrible and all this stuff. But, you know, for me, it's just one more sign of mental illness because it's not Cardi B. It's not one song or anything like this. You know, a while back, uh, I watched Robin Williams do a comedy routine in which he reduced sex to its basic physical components. And Robin Williams was a very funny guy. And I literally laughed so hard I fell off my couch. And not that long later, he killed himself. And then I noticed that what he did had now become a staple for all supposedly hip comedians was to talk about sex simply in terms of its physical reality, simply in terms of naming body parts and where body parts go and what you're doing with body parts. And I noticed that the people who do it, uh, almost all of them, uh, there was that guy, uh, Pete Davidson, remember from Saturday Night Live, who has mental, he's talked about the fact that he's mentally ill. He has mental problems. Louis C.K., who clearly has sexual uh, problems. They keep talking this this reduction of sex to its not even not even to a physical experience, but to a, an experience almost devoid of any humanity at all. A physical experience that almost is taking place almost only in the parts that are being affected, only in those body parts. Not like oh, you're so beautiful. Uh, you know, certainly not. Oh, you know, we have I've often walked down this street before, but the pavement always stayed beneath my feet before because now I'm on the street where you live. Never mind that kind of romanticism. They're not even human. They're not even human. And part of this mental illness, part of this mental illness is the abolition of man, the, the absolute idea that man is, is matter. That's all he is. That's all he is, is matter. And, and has no connection to his inner world. His inner world doesn't exist at all. That's the source of the madness. That's the real source of the madness, because Marxism is a materialist idea, and materialism has to be held, clung to even long after it's shown to not actually represent the human experience. I got to stop there, but I'm back and I'll be back again tomorrow. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, give us a five-star review and also tell your friends to subscribe too. We're available on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Matt Wall Show, and The Michael Knoll Show. Thanks for listening. The Andrew Clavin Show is produced by Robert Sterling. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Technical producer, Austin Stevens. Our supervising producer is Mathis Glover. Assistant director is Pavel Wadowski. Edited by Danny D'Amico. Audio mixed by Robin Fenderson. Hair and makeup, or head and makeup, by Nika Geneva. Animations are by Cynthia Angulo. Production assistance 
McKenna Waters, and Ryan Love. The Andrew Clavin Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2020. If you prefer facts over feelings, aren't offended by the brutal truth, and you can still laugh at the insanity filling our national news cycle, well, tune in to The Ben Shapiro Show. We'll get a whole lot of that and much more. See you there. 